0: In this episode of Eden Exchanges, we spoke with Alan Dean who heads up Sportsing Court Care Services, a unique franchise in the niche market of tennis court care servicing and maintenance, rapidly expanding their network across Australia. We wanted to find out what qualities Alan is looking for in new franchisees, what someone can expect from starting a sportsing franchise in the tennis industry, and what goals the company has for growth.
1: Welcome everyone, my name is Ragu. I'm here with Florence Salisbury from Eden Exchange.
0: Hello everyone.
1: Today we're joined by Alan Dean, who's the Head of Sports and Court Care Services. As part of our ongoing series on franchise and investment in Australia, we continue to talk to leading experts in the field. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Alan.
2: Great to join you today, Ragu.
0: Hi Alan, so my first question is, how did you first get into business and did you always gravitate towards business and franchising?
2: Um, that's a good question. My father actually was a businessman, and I've always loved business. Um, I was a business broker for a few years, and I love—I ju- I guess I just love the processes that are involved in growing a business. Um, in sportsing, being a franchise business, we get to trial a lot of systems and processes and test kind of what works and what doesn't. Um, it really helps to leapfrog a new franchisee to success when they walk into a business when you have tried and true processes for them just to step into. So, um, the, yeah, the, the business process, I guess, is something that intrigues me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So when did you first you know, find yourself getting into sportsing itself? Was you know, tennis something you are always interested in or was it the, the concept of business that attracted you to, to the franchise itself?
2: I think it was a combination of the two. And the fact that it is a really unique niche, it's kind of one of those niche, niche markets. Like, um, So what we really do is we look after um, basically the tennis courts in Australia. So whether they be clubs or personal tennis courts or schools or, or resorts, um, it really is a niche little market. And, um, and I think that's probably what intrigued me. Um, the company is actually over 25 years old, um, and when Sandy and I took over the head office, we've seen this company really start to flourish and grow. We've we've seen growth of almost, we've almost doubled over the last couple of years.
0: So leading on from that, what are some lessons you've learned while growing the franchise and, the, and growing the brand?
2: Um, I th- look, I think the lessons are really, it's, it's all about the franchisees. My job, here is to make sure that each franchisee is successful and fl- and really flowing from that we become successful as a brand. Um, and I think it comes down to really choosing the right people, you know, choosing people that really love what they love to do and um, have a great attitude.
0: Is, is that what you would say makes a good franchisee? Are you quite good at picking who will be a star performer or, or not so good?
2: Um Look, I, I think it, I, th- I really think attitude is everything. I think you can teach people, if someone has a great attitude, you can really teach them the processes of this business. But, um, and, and for, I guess flowing from that really is their drive and their, the attitude is really what will make them become a great business. Um, I've learned a lot, I really have. We've, we made some minor mistakes at the beginning, but um, I think, I, you know, from that first phone call, you can probably really tell. Uh, really where someone's at, like as to whether they uh, they probably have those uh, those qualities that are going to make a good franchisee.
1: Yeah, and I mean, is that a lot more important than, say for example, having a, a background in maintenance or even exposure to to court care? Is that, you know, that attitude is something you can, uh, is that something you're inborn with? And the training itself is... Um, Would you say one is more important than the other, that attitude versus the skills there?
2: I think it's a combination of the two. But certainly, look, if I had to choose between attitude and the skill set, I think I'd go for attitude. Um, The skill set is obviously very important. You know, having a combination of, of skills, of some sales and marketing, it doesn't actually have to be something that someone's been in, but it just helps if someone can communicate well with customers. Um, really, the rest of it we can teach them. That as long as someone enjoys in our business, being like enjoying the outdoors, um, and, and enjoy this type of business, really, I think we can teach probably everything else that goes with it.
1: Yeah, sure thing. And and how important is that character of the person? For example, you know, starting or running your own business can be at times a lonely affair. Um, so that ability to have resistance, keep building the business, is important. But you also try and balance that with a mentorship in that franchise, franchisee approach. So often we try, we see people who are trying to get that middle ground. They may not be full-fledged entrepreneurs who want to change the entire world or systems, but they also want to be in business. I mean, is it that is that something you're finding as well, trying to get that exact match of someone who fits the middle there? I guess that's
2: exactly right, Raghu. Like, it's it's... That the type of pe- we have kind of profiled the type the, the the type of person that suits us, and we find that that sort of person is probably more middle aged. I'm um, not necessarily because we do have younger people as well, but um, there, there's something about a bit of life experience, and we find that people have often done something before um, they come to us, so they've had some line of career. And it really is very varied in our business. So we've had people from marketing backgrounds. We've had people from um, every, actually, every angle you can think of. But they all, as long as they come along with the right attitude and they really have a drive, I suppose, to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, really, everything else just falls into place if they have those things.
1: And it's also interesting. We we'll, we we'll also speak to people a lot more recently in their fifties coming through. Is, is that a trend you're seeing and, and any thoughts on why that's occurring?
2: Absolutely. I, I, I don't know what it is but, um, like, I, I, I was actually on the phone with someone just a few days ago and I did ask their age. I said, look, if you wouldn't mind telling me how old you are and they said, you know, I'm actually 50. So yeah. um, I, did, I, 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 I laughed on the phone because I said, look, it just seems that, that people around that age um, are looking for something different. I, I don't know if it's a fact that perhaps... Um, it's a bit harder to uh, in the workforce once you sort of get to that age, but um, and they they often come with a lot of life experience, which is very valuable. Um, and and so we, we yeah, that kind of age is what we're sort of finding the inquiries are coming from.
1: No, it's interesting. Because so at that, at that point, it can be unusual where a, a person who's about fifty can be in certain professions written off, where that age and experience can be utilised. Well, you mentioned the idea that these type of people can actually work better being their own boss and running their own businesses. I mean, do you also find that the adoption of new ideas is just as good with people who are in their fifties plus?
2: Absolutely. I, I think people are often at their best at fifty, and I, and I think companies so underestimate people around that age. Uh, we just we we find we work with them really well. They're open. To new ideas and new technologies, and um, no, that that is that is just a terrific age, really. Um, it's it's not the only age. Like we do have we have a, quite a variance of ages, but that seems to be the sort of age where people are looking. I suppose they've done something major in in a career line, and they're just looking for something perhaps not as stressful, something that they can do on their own. They're not as answerable um, at that age, and in a franchise, you have that perfect. Uh, relationship where they, there's support and yet someone still has the freedom to sort of make run their own operation.
0: Yeah so Alan you've recently reduced the price for the franchise for a limited time so can you just tell us a bit more about that offer and, and why you've been doing that?
2: We, we, what we're trying to do is actually find the right type of person so we don't sort of want that barrier to be priced to get in um, that w- what we're looking for is, is to make it easy for someone to step in um, to the role of, of getting their own um, franchise in, in our company. So we've dropped the price to just really make that easier for that person. So And I suppose we have the, from our side, um, it gives us the ability then to choose the right type of person that we're looking for, someone who's, as I said earlier, who is enthusiastic Um, Someone who really has a bit of drive and goes, you know, I want to make something. I want to make a business for myself. um, Yet I want to support.
1: Can you just sort of explain how that fits in with your longer term plans? To get, try and get like a shorter term boost in numbers to expand that network for the longer term.
2: Well, we 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 have a goal. um, So we're in our expansion phase at the moment, really of of. um, it's been very successful in the areas over the years of the territories that we're in. So we, we really are we are making quite a push um, to expand that across the territories that are left. So um, I guess dropping the price, making it very easy for someone to get in um, is really paramount to finding the right person. So we just don't want the price um, to be the barrier for, for us finding the right person.
1: Sure. And you mentioned it was a niche industry, but... In Australia, considering the sporting lifestyle, you know, the space, the number of tennis courts as well, isn't it poised or potentially possible that it can expand significantly in terms of uptake, given the number of opportunities for business for this type of franchise?
2: Yeah, well, that's right. Like The, the, the sporting industry is definitely a growing industry. It's something that is very much linked to Australians. Australians love their sport, and they certainly love tennis. So we, we're very much a tennis company. We, we specialise in tennis, tennis products and tennis, um, servicing people's tennis courts. So, um, and tennis is, is a big deal in Australia. There's, I believe in the last statistics, um, four and a half million people watched um, the um, tennis open. Um, 750,000 people went and watched it. So it's, and I think 1.5 million people put down as tennis as their uh, preferred sport. So it really, tennis is, is a big deal, definitely in Australia.
1: It is so. And, and also, is the, are the type of areas you're working in confined to certain types of suburbs? Are they more affluent suburbs where people have the tennis courts, or is it pretty spread around different types of socioeconomic backgrounds?
2: No, I, I, well, with tennis playing, it it obviously doesn't really matter what your demographic is, but certainly owning a tennis court is for the, you know, um, that people that are probably more wealthy. So um, yeah, we tend to, I suppose, in our work in a day to day franchisees, um, like they, we find that you know, obviously beautiful homes yeah. that have you know the, the the swimming pool and the tennis court. So. Um, yeah, so those, yeah, definitely to own a tennis court, um, it's definitely of a higher demographic.
1: Given the Aussie market, what are your thoughts on where the Australian franchising sector is heading? I mean, why do you think it's so popular in Australia, not just in tennis courts, just the concept of franchising itself? Do you think it's a particularly Aussie trait or is there anything else driving it? Um, I
2: think that people... What what The feedback I get is that people like to have the freedom of having their own business. However, they like the support, and they like the processes to already be set up for them. So it kind of is the perfect marriage. So, um, and, and it's, a, I guess, a little reliance on each other. So the franchisor is reliant on the franchisee being successful, and the franchisee relies on the franchi- franchisor supplying the support that's needed for their business to grow. Um, and it works very, like it works very, very well. I, I believe it's one of the best systems you can work under, um, because you, you have people have the ability to grow that you don't get as an employee, and um, like growing a business, it's, it's fun, it's, um, it's exciting, you know, and obviously your income grows with that as well. So uh, it's perfect. Yeah, you know, I, I, I believe so, anyway.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And in terms of the next steps, if if someone wants to reach out to you about a sportsing franchise, how do they go about doing that? Is there a website um, you have set up they should be heading towards? And once they do make contact, what are usually the next steps from your end to try and um, meet them or see if they're the right fit?
2: Exactly. It's really finding the right fit. So um, I it, we have a lot of inquiry, but... Um, it's, it comes down to probably a bit of a chat on the phone just to really see where, where that person's at, like what they want, um, and to see if, if they're going to be the right fit for uh, a sportsing franchise. So it's just it, – it definitely is the first thing is really a, a good conversation, um, just really just discussing what a new inquiry is looking for and what they want. Um, and really the, the process probably starts from that. So we – we have information packs, and we have a lot of information, and we probably it's just leading um, down the road, I suppose, um, and and just sort of a lot of communication um, as as they as a an inquiry turns into a new franchisee. So um, that's probably the process, yeah.
1: And the next steps, once you know there's some seriousness there, is there more on the lines of a meet and greet or an induction yep. or anything along those lines?
2: Yeah, once, once once we've had the conversation and, um, you know, and there's often we'll, we might do, um, there's a lot of questions that might come via email uh, or, or via just a phone call. Uh, we tend to always want to meet up at some point. So um, we, we will put aside a day where I will meet personally with someone. Um, they, if they're from interstate, they'll fly in. We spend a day um, and we just go through the whole business with them. So we, whether we might go out on a tennis court we'll show them how our processes work and and then we'll really go through how the business works how it how we get our leads how we market how we grow a business how we um, you know even down to invoicing and um, all the processes that we do in the business so they sort of get it they can try it on for a day I guess and see how it fits and then walk away from knowing whether this is for them or not
1: yeah, great, and, and and it seems like a very transparent process there. Uh, you touched on it before, but do you have any goals for the franchise for the year coming up?
2: We do, yeah. We we um, they're not mad goals. We just we we re- what we're really trying to do is we have um, another thirteen available territories. So over the next couple of years, our goal really is to find really great people to fill um, those territories. So. Um, so we 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 just we we, we are growing um, and just trying to find the right type of person that will fit um, for us. So that's that's really I suppose our goals for the next couple of years.
1: Thanks, Alan. It hasn't been that long, really, since you took over the head office. I mean, what do you see your role is, and what are there any key points that you're always trying to push as the company vision? And company culture for sportsing.
2: it's really making our franchisees successful I, I i think my role is to make them happy and and finding for them the right life work balance for them and really if i can make them successful really i've done my job so Um, That's what I I guess I strive for. It's all about the franchisees. This business doesn't exist without them. So um, as new people come in, it's imperative that, that, um, from my point of view, that I set them up correctly, that they have all the tools in place so that they can go out there and and build for themselves a great successful business. And I think if they've done that, then I've really achieved my, my role.
1: Yeah, fantastic. So it must be a, a very satisfying experience, not just monetarily, but also the satisfaction of seeing the work you're doing, helping these people achieve their goals.
2: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because most of them haven't hadn't actually had a business of their own before. They've, like, they've worked for like maybe corporates or um, other companies. So to actually get out there and see them love building their own business, I suppose, yeah, it is. It's, it's very satisfying
1: from my point of view. We get a lot of questions about the value of a franchise versus the initial investment gone in. I mean, can you outline what someone really gets from investing both their money and time into a sportsing franchise? Look, While they're not overly priced compared to some, you're still looking at a a decent commitment there. So what what really is the value of a sportsing franchise?
2: Well, they get um, they, they. I could. It's quite resource heavy from um, from our point of view to set up a new franchisee. So there is a lot of support. There is three weeks training and ongoing support from there. Um, I suppose that's built into some of the costs. But there's also we supply a signed written trailer that really has all of the equipment, all the tools. It has brochures. We supply marketing systems. We Um, there is a long list of things that we supply uh, and really value for money, bang for buck, there's a lot of value in it.
1: Look, it's been really uh, fascinating, Alan. Um, You you can just see that it's a lot more than people may imagine uh, the tennis court and sports maintenance business. Uh, People from a variety of backgrounds entering it. And would encourage anyone interested in finding more about a sportsing franchise to head to www.sportsing.com.au and have a look at some of the opportunities presented there. Apart from that, for more business and investment opportunities, please head to edenexchange.com or to check out some interviews with some leading franchises like Alan, head to businessbyinvest.com, and you'll be able to get a clearer understanding of some of the stories of successful franchises in Australia. Apart from that, thanks a lot, Alan, for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rocco. Likewise.
2: Thank you.
0: Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. This episode featured Alan Dean from Sports In Court Care Services. To discover more on the topics we covered, head to edenexchange.com or businessbuyinvest.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram for regular updates.